0: When I was you know, fresh out of that bathroom floor moment, I'll tell you, I started to really look at my life Right over those last 27 odd years or however, about 28 years. What did I really enjoy? What gave me energy? What lit me up? What did I like talking about? What did I potentially have an expertise in that I could talk about? That's when it hit me that while I was in that place, I had lost all my money, but my mind wasn't bad just because I lost all my money, I still knew how to do the things I did to help me build the first business, right? So how do I take all of these things and figure out how to put them together in the marketplace? Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor, Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada.
1: When Steve Harvey needs someone to come on his show to talk about finance, he turns to my next guest, Patrice Washington. She's a big part of the next generation of Financial Voices. So this is why I'm introducing her to you. Her book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, has topped bestseller lists all over the place, and her speaking engagements are a hot ticket. I'm excited to talk to her all about finances and well-being. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success podcast. I'm your host, Tristan Amala, and today I've got Patrice. Washington. You probably know her. You've seen her on TV or heard her on the radio or read one of her books. Patrice, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I want to talk about wealth, but I also want to talk about the influence that you've grown just over the years because one thing that entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and just business owners want to do is is really grow their audience and you've done that so well over the years. So, Patricia, how did you how did you get started into all of this?
0: Oh my gosh. It seems like forever now, but also like yesterday, right? I got started in this part of my life, I would say, around 2009. It was the height of the recession. I was dealing with the fallout from a real estate business that went belly up when that real estate bubble burst. And i gone from a seven-figure business to literally scraping up change. And like many entrepreneurs, you know, you have that, I call it the bathroom floor moment. Some people <laughs> have it in the shower. You yes. have it wherever you have it. But that moment when you're like, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yep. I know that I have brought myself as far as I could take myself. And I just don't, I don't have any answers anymore. I don't know what I don't know. And this is awful. And for me, that moment.
1: At that moment, I have a question about that specifically, because a lot of entrepreneurs go through that and they don't talk about that. mm -mm. At that moment, did you, did you like just look down and cry, talk to God? What happened at that moment? Because I've been through that. So I just want to know how that. Oh,
0: yes. That? Tristan, that's where I'm going, man. I got in the mirror in this teeny tiny bathroom. So my home had foreclosed. I lived in a 6,000 square foot home in Southern California, sold everything on Craigslist that I could in two days and fled to Metairie, Louisiana. And so here I am in this 600 square foot apartment and I had just chased the power man down the the hallway begging him to turn the power back on or my daughter's milk was spoiled. She was a a newborn at the time. And I remember my husband taking my daughter for a walk and I went into this little bathroom. I got in the mirror and I said, God, why me? Why me? I've been a good person. I operate in integrity. I try to treat people well. Like you got to tell me something. I, I I've tried everything that I can and nothing in my human strength is, is working. And that turned into crying and then it turned into like bawling and then it turned into (laughs) that that snotty ugly cry where you don't even recognize yourself and I'm sure the neighbors were very concerned I was wailing at one point and I ended up in fetal position with my forehead on the linoleum literally on the floor just like god you got to tell me something and I heard what I call that still small voice um, I felt the nudge to get my Bible. And there's a scripture that I landed on almost immediately. Um, it was Proverbs 17, 16. And it said, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? What good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? Damn. Now, here I am. I've built a seven-figure business straight out of college. You know, I started my first business, which was a real estate and mortgage brokerage during my senior year at the university of Southern California. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be a project that I turned into a real business. And I got started. I was selling houses. I was slinging houses to like people that worked at USC. It was <laughs> All my clients were like, you know, janitorial staff or like admin people. I was like in it. And so I'm like, I got my broker's license at 21 years old all these things. And I'm looking at this scripture and I'm like, well, so how am I a fool? I'm smart. Like I'm, I'm the smart one. I'm the one that people come to, to figure things out. That's the identity that I held at that time. And I remember being so intrigued by this scripture and reading it over and over again. And then I started to go, well, okay, it's wisdom. Well, what does wisdom mean? And that's the day that I learned that there was a difference between knowledge and wisdom Because Mm -hmm. I had so much book smart and I had certifications and I could pass a test like with flying colors. I thought that knowledge and wisdom were the same, but knowledge was information and education and wisdom was the application. Mm -hmm. When do you apply it? How do you apply it? With whom do you apply it? And I didn't understand that because I was so used to being the one that was the identity. My identity was so caught up in being the smart one that I didn't even know how to ask for help. So all this was happening. You have to understand from 07 to 09, all of these things were happening, right? And no one in my family or friends, my close circle, no one knew what was really going on with us because I didn't know how to ask for help. I was determined to figure it out. I grew up, I'm Belizean American. I grew up with a, a very strong single mother, single grandmother, and I was raised to just figure it out. Not, Not understanding that you don't know what you don't know. And so while this is a difficult season, many people are in a difficult season. And maybe you could talk to someone else and come up with a different game plan. But many of us as entrepreneurs, we wait until our backs are up against the wall before we even utter a word that we need support. And that that was that day, that day, March 9th, 2009. I'll never forget it. I realized that, yes, I have been very book smart, but... One of my downfalls at the time was not knowing how to ask for help and understanding the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And then one layer deeper, I was so into like trying to figure things out. I also wanted to know what wealth really was. Okay. I, I just wanted to know what wealth really was. And so in that same kind of era, the, the, the days following, I started to look it up and I realized that wealth... The way that we define it most often is just material possessions, money and material possessions. But when I started to dig deeper, if you go down about seven or eight layers in the dictionary, (laughs) you see that the original 12th century definition of wealth is actually the condition of well-being. And there was just something that moved in my spirit that was like, I want to be well. I want to be wealthy, but I want to be well. Because I had been doing all the things in building this business. And I realized the reason I didn't know how to ask for support is not because I didn't have people around me that would support me. Mm-hmm. It's not because I didn't know people. It's not because I didn't have necessarily any type of access. I had a people problem, right? Like I had, I had a people problem, which turned into a personal finance problem. Because I didn't know how to ask for help sooner, quicker, faster. I start to look at different parts of my life. And I'm like, as I rebuild, and I didn't have that much confidence. I'm going to be honest. I said, God, if you restore me, I want to tell people that this journey is not just about chasing money. There's other mm. parts of our lives that we have to, that I that I feel this sense that we have to get in. Or as I went about the next several years looking to rebuild my life. It was not about budgets and credit reports. I was looking at it through this lens of well-being. And I'm like, I want to be well mentally. I want to be well physically. So when I didn't have money, right, I still spent time going for a run by the lake. <laughs> I still, mm. I still spent time doing push-ups in my teeny tiny apartment and doing ab work, nice. you know, that I could. I started to like focus on being well in other parts of my life. And so when people look at the 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 success path, if you will, right? Going from losing it all and then moving to Atlanta after New Orleans and sleeping on my brother's couch, but then seeing me on these couches next to Steve Harvey or next to Dr. Oz or any of these number of opportunities I've had, they're like, what's the what are the money secrets? I'm like, that I didn't focus on money. I focused on being well in all the other parts of my life and that allowed me to attract the money but also to be more disciplined with how I managed it. Right. And and just how I Mm. saw it and how I was a steward of it. Wow.
1: I love. All right. So I'm sure along the way, because 2009 to 2022 now. Yeah. You've you've had. You've had instances where things get kind of hard. Mm -hmm. Who do you gravitate to when stuff like that happens or. What do you do to get you going back in the right direction?
0: That's really good uh, a really great question first of all um I start by going within i have to be honest i'm a I'm naturally an introvert so I like to process alone um and I don't like to be heavily influenced by other people until I understand what i what my real question is right I think sometimes we are so busy trying to like get everybody's input that now we are taking advice that may not be in alignment with what we've been assigned to do. So even if I'm in a season of confusion or you know just looking for more clarity, I actually spend a lot of time in my prayer room. I bought the house I live in now because there was a room off the master that I could turn into a prayer room. It was the selling point That's for me. Cool. <laughs> and so I spend a lot of time in there first, first getting really clear about what I'm afraid of because anytime we're in a season where things are not going right, there's always some type of fear attached to it. Right. There's always something that we assign like and, and you know, I might as well be Ava DuVernay. I make up great stories like I might as well be a director. Many of us, one thing happens and then we create a whole movie about how that's going <laughs> to impact our lives, or our business. And it's so not even true. real. It's not true. Right. So yep. I take time. I do this exercise that I talk about in my latest book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself. It's this exercise I created around 2016. And I, I was going through a hard time there. I was being harassed online. Oh, And it, it got really ugly and it, it lasted over a year. And so on one side of this paper, uh, my prayer journal, actually, I wrote what if. Because as it started to get to me, it was like, well, what if people believe this stuff? What if people really think that I'm a bad person? Or what if people think this? And I had to list it out because it was running amok in my mind. And it was becoming a distraction, right, to what I knew I was supposed to be doing in that season. So I wrote what if on one side just to get it out, just do a brain dump. And then on the other side, I wrote what is. And for me, that was what's the truth. The truth is I'm a good person. <laughs> like the truth is I don't bother people, right? Like the truth is I do good work in the world. I serve my clients with my full heart. My intentions are pure. Like I, like I started to list all those things out. And as I started to list out the what is, the what if, it's not like it went away, but I was ready to combat it. What if someone thinks this is true? Shame on them because my reputation says otherwise. Mm. What if if somebody finds this? Well, what is... Look at the track record. The track record speaks for itself, right? And so every time I find myself in... And this is often, right? (laughs) Like, you can be completely walking in purpose and still be dealt BS on a daily, weekly, (laughs) monthly basis. Like, so let's not act like, oh, I'm walking in purpose and now everything is just, you know, sunshine and rainbow. Not true, This is an exercise that I pull out for the smallest, you know, situation or the largest. And it's the thing that's gotten me through. Right. So personally, I do this first so that I know what I even want to discuss with anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, Next, I believe in therapy wholeheartedly. Um, I believe that many of us, especially as entrepreneurs, we will not grow or our business will not grow to the extent we're not willing to heal. Our business will only grow to the extent we're willing to heal. And so a lot of times there are a lot of limiting beliefs, childhood trauma, you know, life scenarios that are going on. And we keep trying to push them down. Like think of a beach ball, right? You're trying to push it under the water and it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. And we don't realize how that's impacting our business and therefore Mm. our finances, right? So therapy is my next line of defense, depending on what's going on in my life if i need to dial it up and talk to my therapist weekly i will but for the most part i maintain a bi-weekly schedule so that's like the second who do i go to i'd like to process things with my therapist and then i will say third i do believe in 360 degrees of accountability so at any given time i likely have a coach of some kind i likely have um I'm in a mastermind or two or three for different things. I'm in a podcasting mm-hmm. mastermind. I'm in an all women's online business owner mastermind. Like I'm in another just kind of general mastermind. I'm always surrounded um, by people that I trust. And and the biggest thing again, to me though, is that when I'm asking them for advice, am I able to discern if it's in alignment with what I've been called to do? Because they can have wonderful advice. Doesn't mean it's necessarily for me. And that's why I think we get mixed up is because someone is successful, we feel like whatever they say goes, but that's not necessarily meant for your journey all the time. And I think when you spend that quiet time and you spend a lot, I mean, again, I spend a lot of time processing alone, then I can kind of lean into when mm, that feels like that's headed in the right direction for me or... Thank you so much for sharing, but that's not me. I'm not going to, that's not how I operate.
1: Well, I love your approach because a lot of the times when, when things, when we think things go wrong, instead of looking internally first, we go out to seek help before we even know what the problem is or how we're categorizing it. So I, I love that approach and I love the what if and what is that I could see how that could give you a lot more clarity. And really start tackling that from a stronger point. That's Mm -hmm. so, I love that. That is so good.
0: Yeah, it Uh, was so divine. And like I said, it came at a very difficult time. And then you also realize that nothing, most things are not as bad as we make it. When you start to really do an exercise like that and you realize how much weight you're giving to these voices, that are really insignificant in the bigger scheme of things because it's also like, well, what's the worst that could happen? So, you know, it's like if someone does believe that I'm not a good person, okay, there's yeah. people who already are annoyed by my anointing from the moment I open my mouth. What am I gonna do? <laughs> like, what am I like what am I supposed to do? So someone yeah. believes that I'm not a good person. What do you do with that? I can't go around trying to prove to 8 billion people that I'm a good person. Like the only That's thing right. I can do is live my life. Right. And and I think that the results and the fruits will speak for themselves. Right. Uh, the proof is in the people that I support and the people who have been blessed because of my work. So I can't go around worried about the people who are determined to not like me. That's I their like business. Them. They cannot. <laughs>
1: That's so true. All right. So then tell me, tell me how this well, the well-being part of of the wealth building then gradually took you into talking about wealth. Yeah.
0: So one of the mantras at redefining wealth is chase purpose, not money. And I'll tell you, Tristan, I say that I'm I'm wearing it on my sweatshirt today. I say that and people go, that's easy for you to say like you Mm -hmm. have money. But I didn't always. When I went through that season and we had nothing and I got here, I was living on my brother's couch for several months here in Atlanta. And I had worked for Steve Harvey as an example. Back in the day, uh, I started as an intern on his radio show when it wasn't even nationally syndicated. It was just L.A. Mm -hmm. And that turned into a two and a half year gig for me. So when I got here, he had recently moved to Atlanta, brought his whole operations here. Now it's a nationally syndicated radio show. They find out that I'm here. They find out I'm kind of down and out. And he wants to offer me a job. Had nothing to do with personal finance education, which I had come to feel like was what I was being called to do. Right. So I go meet with Steve and uh, he's telling me about this job and I feel it so strongly. I'm like, yeah, I can't do this. That's I don't want it. And he's like, you're broke, ain't you? Like Trusty Harvey fashion. Like, ain't you broke? And he said, he said a couple other things that may not be appropriate, but you get the point, right? And I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. I like I feel like I'm supposed to help people with personal finance. Again, as someone who was going through one of the worst financial seasons of their life, I I really was a, you know, for all intents and purposes, felt like a financial failure. Yet mm-hmm. I had this nudge that. I was supposed to help people with finances. And I told Steve no. And I ended up going to volunteer at a financial education nonprofit. Now, this is a season where my family could have used the money greatly. But I really was like, I don't want to say yes and disappoint him and not be fully committed. And I don't want to do something that distracts me so much from what I feel very strongly is what I'm being led to do. Mm-hmm. And so working at that nonprofit or volunteering ended up turning into me getting a job about nine months later. Um, and it started this momentum of me being in an organization where I was like, oh, people do pay for this stuff. <laughs> like, this is a thing I can really do it. It introduced me to new insights. It exposed me to new people. Like there was so much a whole world opened up for me. And that was the catalyst for me going down this mm-hmm. path of becoming who people now know as America's money maven. But it started out as a volunteer position for nine months after I turned down a job. And so when I say chase purpose, not money, the job that Steve was offering me could have never paid me back financially or in fulfillment what I have gone on to do. So when I returned to the Steve Harvey show, that was 2010 When I returned to the Steve Harvey show in 2014, he was helping me debut my second book. And what was supposed to be a one-time interview turned into me being the money maven of the Steve Harvey show for four years. I answered people's personal finance questions every week from 2014 to 2018. And that is an example for me, right? Every time I look at my life over these last several years, choosing purpose was me being well, was me doing what Mm. felt well in my soul, what felt well in my spirit and not just making a choice based on paycheck. Now, I know that we have to we have to eat. I know we have bills. Even while I was volunteering at that time, I took odd jobs, but nothing that I would commit to just enough to like, okay, help with groceries or help with things so that I could focus on the financial education piece and I was volunteering like it was a full-time job (laughs) like I was always there they were like you need a job because you're always here (laughs) right but I say that to say so many instances right over these these last several years have been rooted in that mantra it's not some cute thing that I say it's how I live my life It's how I make decisions. It's the lens from which I make decisions. I don't accept contracts. I don't accept brand deals. I don't accept TV opportunities that come my way if they don't feel purposeful. Just because they have a paycheck associated with it is not a reason to say yes. If it's going to threaten my peace, if it's going to rob me of joy, if it's going to take me away from my family for too long if it's going to damage my health because now I have to work 60, 70 hours a week and I can't control my schedule, I say no. And that's me choosing well. And in the process, I have attracted some of the most amazing opportunities, brand deals, partnerships, all of these things. And I was able to do it more so on my terms. And I was able to still go on to build a great business and build wealth but i did it being well like with a, a mindfulness about being well in the process
1: so how does somebody who's listening in start with that process because you're saying chase purpose not money but how do people actually do it where do they start when it comes to this
0: uh so i would say the first thing is to understand that while i say chase purpose i don't believe anyone of us is looking for purpose um you know I hear a lot Tristan like how do I find my purpose and I want to say first that even in my case it wasn't so much that I had to go find my purpose I finally had to accept it Mm. because I think that many of us diminish or dismiss our gifts our talents what we actually can use in the marketplace um, to create wealth because it's not sexy No one is in third grade going, you know what I really want to be when I grow up? A personal finance educator. That sounds like a (laughs) winner. That's what I want to do, right? You don't even know that that exists. But when I was, you know, fresh out of that bathroom floor moment, I'll tell you. I started to really look at my life right over those last 27 odd years or however about 28 years What did I really enjoy? What gave me energy? What lit me up? What did I like talking about? What did I potentially have an expertise in that I could talk about? That's when it hit me that while I was in that place, I had lost all my money, but my mind wasn't bad. Just because I lost all my money, I still knew how to do the things I did to help me build the first business, right? So how do I take all of these things and figure out how to put them together in the marketplace? Well, in my case, I had just learned about blogging. I didn't know what a blog was. I ran a brick and mortar mm. business back then. It wasn't as common as it is now, right? I had just uh, met these mommy bloggers in Starbucks and I was like, "What are you like what are you guys doing?" And they were like, "We're mom <laughs> bloggers." And I'm like, "What is a blog?" I had just learned of it like 2 weeks before. But I said, "Okay. How do I take this th- like these thoughts that I'm having now and all of these downloads I'm getting and these ideas and and just put it out there?" Well, it started mm-hmm. with a free, ugly blogspot.com. It's still up to this day. It's so ugly because um, I did it all myself, right? I didn't know what mm-hmm. the heck I was doing. But the intention was, if I need this, someone else out there does. So let me just start talking about it. And that was the first, that was like the first iteration of just doing anything in this space. Mm-hmm. and And it just came from this sense of, I want to help. My first grade teacher, Ms. Boynton, used to tell me when you know something, you have a responsibility to share with your friends. Mm. And it always made me someone that when I would learn something, I would want to tell other people. And by telling them, it's like it would cement it in my, in my spirit, right? And so that blog was the first iteration. And it's it's the start. Like I, I think that sometimes we just underestimate small beginnings like just taking literally whatever you have it wasn't that I started with money I didn't I didn't have a web designer I didn't have a coach I didn't have all all the things like I didn't have all these things I didn't even know anyone in the space I didn't know how any of this online stuff worked it was literally just the the heart and the intention that maybe somebody else will benefit from this information maybe someone else will be a blessing and I remember when I was blogging weekly for about several the first, uh, I don't know, three or four months. And I was so proud of it. And I was sending an email like to friends and family and asked them to check it out. And I remember mm-hmm. one one week asking my husband if he had read the blog post that week. And he's like, oh, you know, I didn't get around to it. I was like, "Uh, OK. And then I, <laughs> And then I asked my mom, I'm like, mom. Did you read this week's blog post? And she was like, Oh, you're still doing that thing. Right. And it's like, (laughs) I'm like, if the two people closest to me are not reading, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And I stopped. Ooh. I stopped. I stopped for over a month, maybe almost two months. Okay. And I'll never forget the day I got an email from a gentleman, which I wish I could find it to this day. I got an email from a gentleman and he said, Hey, I've been reading your blog. You haven't posted in a while. Hope you're okay. Oh. And I was like, who is this stranger? Like, where did this stranger come from? I didn't even know about analytics. I didn't know how to like go in the back end. I only learned how to post and that's all I would do. So I didn't know how to go in the back end. And I started to see, oh, people were viewing. I have viewers. It wasn't, it wasn't hundreds. It wasn't thousands. But I was like, oh, these people are reading. And that was the day that I said an audience of one is still an audience. An audience of one is still an audience. If I can be a blessing to mm. one person mm. every day, if I bless one person, then it was worth me getting up and doing what I feel. do. And even to this day, when I've been on platforms that reach millions of people, I've spoken in front of, you know, I think the largest audience maybe was about 10, 11,000 people. Even to this day, my heart's posture is still if I can be a blessing of one person to one person, then it was worth it. I go out every day. I post every day with the intention. If one person gets it, if one person laughs, if one person has an aha moment, if one person takes action, then I did what I was supposed to do today.
1: And that's beautiful.
0: That has been the thing from 2009 till now. And I think that, you know, it's so easy to look at these things and be consumed with life. But, How much money am I going to make? It's like, but how Mm -hmm. much impact, how much impact do you want to have? Because yes, we can't pay bills with just impact (laughs) and fulfillment. I understand. But I'm going to be a walking billboard to the day that I die that you can still, because of how you're operating and living your life, like bring all of this stuff in and the money is the natural byproduct. It really is. So many of us want the money first, but then our relationships mm-hmm. are in shambles. Our health are in, is in shambles. Our environment is in shambles. We can't even freaking enjoy the money. We're in a space. Our minds are so cluttered that we're sabotaging everything. So we're getting it in. A lot of entrepreneurs, feast or famine. Very true. Feast or famine. It's it's, al- it's always it, like, right? It's in. You get it one month and then the next month you're like, okay, what the heck happened? there's something missing. I think that comes from having clutter in the other parts of your life. And at Redefining Wealth, we call it the six pillars of wealth. And we just talk about these different areas where if you start to shore things up, you will be amazed. And I hear this, I receive the testimonials, I get the emails, the DMs. You will be amazed how many other parts of your life start to open up when you're not even thinking about the money all day, every day.
1: You say the six pillars of wealth, because I know I know the listeners are going to be like, OK, what is that? Can you just go through them? Yeah, really quick? I'll go
0: them, through them really quickly. So the first pillar is the fit pillar. It's about becoming your best self. Similar to when I told you when everything hit the fan, I did what, what I started doing running by the lake, like because I can, if I can't control anything else, one thing I can control is what I do with my body, mm. what like what I put into my mouth what I do with my body, how much I move my body and mentally what i am what am I taking in. That's the first like line of defense, right? I agree. And so agree. we want to jump to wealth, but hold on. We say health is wealth. It's very cliche, but most people don't really lean into that. We lean into like, oh, I'm on my hustle and grind culture. Oh my gosh, I was at my desk all day. I forget to eat. Uh, we lean into yeah. team no sleep. I haven't slept in days. I'm just grinding. It's like, listen, we all get... We all have, I hope, a vision for our lives. If you're an entrepreneur, you started it because you, you had a vision, right? We all have a vision for our lives. It's our duty and our responsibility to protect the one vessel we get to execute that vision. Do not work to purchase prescriptions that you cannot pronounce when you're 60 years old. <laughs> That's not what the goal that. is, right? We have a vision and we have things that we want to accomplish. We must take care of ourselves and stop dismissing aches, pains, you know, discomfort and acting like, oh, it'll go away. It'll be fine. I'll deal with it later because so many people are dying today from diseases that were preventable. But they never took time for themselves. They never took time to schedule doctor's appointments. They never took time to follow up on things because they were so focused on the grind. And how does that benefit your family and your loved ones in the community that you're called to serve in the long run? And it's not just about the physical fitness for the fit pillar. I also alluded to this: the mental fitness. Mm-hmm. Again, m- mental toughness. This this stuff is hard. Entrepreneurship ain't for the faint of heart. I I have well, to use true. slang for that one, right, Tristan? Ain't for the faint of heart. It is hard, and many of us are not mentally prepared for what we are praying for. Yeah. You're praying for platforms that you could not sustain if trolls started to come at you, right? If the pressures that come with this start coming at you, you you crumble, you fall apart. You have to be mentally tough if you're going to build the wealth that you say you want because there's mm. a lot that goes along with this. People don't only have, you know, I study financial psychology. People don't only have issues because they don't have money. There's people who have money that have issues. Just a different set of issues. <laughs> Just <laughs> so financial true. guilt is real. There's so mm-hmm. if you're the one in your family who makes it and you're successful, the guilt that so many people carry because of that, and then so not knowing true. how to navigate conversations and relationships, that mm. becomes a mental battle. So
1: Somebody it's not talks just about that, Patrice. people it's don't so talk true. about it.
0: That's a that's an entirely different thing, right? So Dang. this is why fit pillar is the first pillar of building wealth in my book. Second pillar, people people pillars about creating relationships that matter. As I said at the top of this for so long, it's not that people didn't want to support me. I didn't know how to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. I wasn't comfortable Mm. yet telling the truth. I wasn't comfortable yet saying, I don't know what I don't know. And so there were relationships that were not, that were underutilized. Right. And then there were relationships that were romanticized that I should have gotten rid of sooner, quicker, faster And I allowed those people to stay in my orbit, in my circle longer than they should have. And they really should have been dismissed sooner in my journey.
1: Tell me about that really quick. What what would be an example of that for people listening in so that they can identify those people that don't belong in their inner circle?
0: I would say, you know, God bless them, but friends and family that don't get the vision. I can love you from a distance. But when you're in the season of really building a business and it's something that you have to believe in, you cannot surround yourself with naysayers. Like some people are boosters. They're going to love you when it's little and this cute little idea. Right. It's like, oh, look at them. Right. And they might pump you up and they want to support you or whatever, but they don't necessarily have the capacity to go higher with you. So it's like a Mm. rocket ship. Right. When you start taking off, boosters fall off. They got to stay on the ground. They can only go Mm. up so far with you and then they drop, right? And it's okay to untie. You don't have to burn bridges. You can untie relationships and leave people with their dignity. But in certain seasons, I know that I have certain friends or family members that I have to love from a certain distance. No love lost. But if I'm going to stay mentally in the place that it's going to require for me... because entrepreneurship is not just about what you want. It's about who you have to become. Who do you have to become in the process? And the people that sometimes love us the most don't understand. I don't, I'm not going to take home ownership advice from someone who's rented all their life.
1: Because they've never been there. They don't understand what it takes.
0: Yeah. And they haven't done their what ifs versus what is. So they're going to, you know, project all their fears onto me. And before you know it, now I'm afraid of something that was put in my spirit to do. And so I believe that if I have the vision, the provision is already going to be there. I just need to step into it. Right. And so I can't surround myself with naysayers. I can't surround myself with people who don't understand the vision. Again, I don't cut people off, but I do have to untie their proximity to me and how much time I'm spending with them in certain seasons. And I'll say the other part of this for me professionally is understanding that there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you, but who Mm. are they watching you be?
1: Damn, that's good, Patrice. I love that one. Who are
0: they watching you be? Because I've learned in my professional career, Tristan, the reason that I say, you know, I've been able to attract so much. It's not because I'm always pitching. It's because I'm kind. Like I treat people well. I, I. Do my best to operate in full integrity with people when when I get booked to speak or to work with a brand partner. One of the first things I say to them is I'm going to be the easiest talent you've ever worked with. Mm. I'm going to I'm going to be the easiest talent, meaning I'm not coming in like a diva. I'm the type of person that will talk to every person in the line. You know, when I'm done speaking, if I can help it and I don't have a flight, I'll kiss every baby. Right and, and hug every person <laughs> This is pre-COVID of course But you get what I'm saying At this point yep, I'll fist yep. bump everybody right, That's right. But Like how, how are you behaving Because that is how I'm, I am I show up Every time I speak I get three or four more speaking invitations Every time I do something Someone's like oh we need to use this girl for the next thing So I don't fill my days With trying to go and force and push myself In people's communities When I have that one shot, I treat it well. Many people Mm. are always looking for, I used to call it the Oprah effect, right? People are like, when I meet Oprah, my business is going to take off. It's like, okay, but there's like 8 billion other people who could potentially (laughs) support you. And I mean, hey, I've met Oprah. I want her to meet me again. (laughs) Like I do too, but that's not my business plan. That's, that's not the business that's plan, nice. right?
1: That's an amazing business plan. right? Geez, it's like,
0: that's not the business plan. And so a lot of folks, I say that to say, be kind, whether you're talking to the janitor or the CEO, you don't know who the gatekeepers are. I can tell you in my business, Tristan, if people are, are like rude to my admin team or to my junior coaches or to anyone, I will put them out of my community because you don't, don't. Respect me and fawn over me when I show up, but you're not kind to the young lady handling my books or you're not kind to. The, I don't do that. Right. And so that's a part of the people pillar for me is just how do we show up both personally and professionally? Um, I would say the next pillar is space. Space is about setting up your life to support you. Many of us waste a lot of time throughout our day, throughout our lives, looking for things we already own, but can never find There's statistics mm, on this. Mm, the average person has mm. been 76 hours going in circles, probably patting their pockets going, where's my phone? Where's my keys? Where's this? Where's that? Right. So we spend a lot of time that zaps a lot of energy that could be used on creativity. It could be used on coming up with a plan. That's going to take your business to the next level. It could be used on coming up with a strategy for how you will pay off that debt. It could be used on so many other things, but we don't understand that when our lives are not set up to support us, we're constantly having to start over right on tasks. Our, our focus isn't there. Our energy is drained. We're not protecting the space that we're in. We don't prioritize the peace of our space and making sure that it supports what we say we want. Right. Mm-hmm. And. Like, I even believe in having a money-making space. Like, any Ooh. space that I occupy is sacred, right?
1: Tell me about the money-making space really good. Like, what that, what yeah. does that mean? I like that.
0: That means that... I'll I'll give you an example. When I first started doing this stuff, um, and we had a spare bedroom, and I wanted to make it an office. And I wanted to make it an office, but we also had, like, boxes and, you know, everything that didn't have a place went there to die, essentially. And here I am in this <laughs> space, right? Where... With all of these dead artifacts trying to produce life in a business Mm. surrounded by things that no longer served us surrounded by old things surrounded by junk surrounded by stuff surrounded by clutter. And we have to remember that clutter is the physical manifestation of chaos in our mind. So how can you sit in a space where you are supposed to be in a creative mode doing your best work and allow all of this other stuff to take up that energy. You may not realize it consciously, but subconsciously you are not operating at your best if you are surrounded by things that don't serve you. And so being in a money-making space is setting up the space that you work from. I don't care if it's a kitchen table. I don't care if it's a closet in your bedroom. What's in it? What's the vibe? Is it clear of clutter? Are you able to think freely? Do you have the tools at like ready at hand for you to do what you need to do? Do you have something that reminds you of the big vision for your life, of the goals, of the people you say you're doing this for? Like what is in that space that energizes you, right? And keeps you focused on the on what the big picture is. So that's a money making space and does it smell good. It gotta Mm. smell good too.
1: (laughs) It totally does. It (laughs) totally does. What does your space smell like? I love that. Wait, Patrice, what does your space smell like?
0: I actually have custom candles. Um, Oh, they're called Peace. Yeah, it's like a vanilla and sandalwood scent. It has some other little goodies in it. But yeah, I got to the point where I was buying everyone else's, and I was like, I should create my own. And it's called Peace by Patrice. Oh. And I love to have that peaceful calm, clean smell in my space. I actually have it lit like right outside this podcast booth. But when I walk in, I either light my candle or I'll do like an, a diffuser as well um, with essential oils. But just something that's calming, you know, and and gets me in the zone when I'm writing we, or recording.
1: Patrice, where do we go and pick up the candles? Because I'm going to order one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's at, it's at ChasePurposeNotMoney.com.
1: All right, hold on, chasepurpose.money.com. All right, continue. continue. I'm yes. number one.
0: <laughs> so, um, so that's the space pillar. And then we have the faith pillar. Uh, and I would say this is about believing in something greater. I have never been the person to feel like I needed to push people into, you know, believing what I believe. I just believe that if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for everything. Everything that this life throws at you, you will be constantly distracted. And one of my, I think, superpowers is resilience. And that resilience is rooted in my faith because I've been through a lot. Right. So I talked about losing the business. I didn't tell you that my first son, you know, died after five hours in my arms the year before. I didn't tell you that I was on bed rest for 10 weeks with my daughter and she was born 10 weeks prematurely. Right. I mean, wow. I've been through so many betrayals, so many heartbreaks, so many different things. And yet purpose has not been postponed. I still have, you know, operated from a sense that purpose will evolve and each year. Even with those things that happen, you know, they're still good to find in the world and they're still good in people. And so I operate from this idea that nothing has happened to me. It's all happened for me to continue to evolve into the woman, the leader, the mother, the wife, whoever I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And my faith has been such a catalyst in that. It's been a catalyst in my ability to forgive. And I say all of this because we don't realize, I believe how easy it is to get thrown off when things happen, right? Because it's not Mm -hmm. a matter of if, it's when. Life is going to happen None of us are going to get out of here unscathed. I I wish we would. It's just not how it goes, right? Yeah. It's like, but understanding that life is going to happen. And do I have a process? Has my faith, whatever that is, whatever you say you believe in, have you made time to practice what you say you believe in so that when life happens, you have a process for how you move through it? Because it's really hard to figure Mm. out what you believe when you're in the middle of a crisis.
1: True. It's hard. And I think that's that's where that's where we have to take the time when things are great to identify what that is so we can fall back on that when it's a fan.
0: Because it's going to hit the fan. It's (laughs) It's not not a matter (laughs) of A few times over. It's going to hit the fan. We know it's going to hit the fan. Mm. And it's naive to walk through life like you don't think it's going to hit the fan. It's like, no, it's coming. And I believe that greatness requires us to expect resistance. And so having some type of practice, and again, I don't really care if it's a religion that you say you practice or whatever. If you meditate, if you pray, if you journal, but do you make time for it? We put all the work stuff on the calendar, but do you put your faith pillar on the calendar? I do. And I had to because I realized in certain seasons I was spiritually malnourished. So something would happen and I would fall apart, right? Because Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't strong. It wasn't in my bones. I didn't, remember scriptures for myself. I didn't know, right, like how I felt or I didn't have any stories to even tap into that would encourage mm. me, right? Because I was malnourished. I was doing little devotionals, little drive-by snacky snack here and there, but I wasn't feasting mm. on what I and my religion, right? I wasn't feasting on what I say I believe. So then when I needed it, I didn't have it. And that... Is a game changer as well. (laughs) That's that's pretty deep, and it's the thing that let me keep pushing on.
1: That's yeah, that's awesome. I think that one, that one is one that entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, can really dig deeper on because I think they just glance over it as they're growing their business and they don't really take time to strengthen that one. That that one's really important. I love this game
0: game changer. I'll say, though, I put it fourth and not first, because for many people who um, grew up religious, if you grew up religious, we can tend to use it as a crutch to not do the work.
1: Mm, so so true. The, fit,
0: the fit pillar, people pillar, space pillar, those all require you to do the work. Like, uh, it, So it's not a matter of like, oh, why is faith not more important? It's important, but I know us. Us being people who grew up like me and we'll be like, oh, I'll pray about it and then do nothing. No, (laughs) we have a responsibility to participate in our own rescue. So that's the faith pillar. Work pillar is next. Work is about living your life's purpose. We we tapped in on that, you know, just kind of identifying what gives you energy and looking at ways. I believe success leaves clues. It may not be the exact path for you, but I always look for someone who's done it. Some, you know, like what's an example of someone for me in the finance space when I was first starting, there wasn't really many black women for me to see in that space. I didn't I never really saw any. The only people I saw that were personalities, too, but in personal finance were like Dave Ramsey. And Mm. I couldn't be any more opposite. Right. Like, (laughs) We're we're total opposite. opposite. But even though we were totally opposite, I researched him. I looked him up. I realized that he built his brand from telling his story. Mm. There were bits and pieces about what he did that made me go, oh, well, if he did it, I can do it. If he did it, then I can do it. And so I started to take those pieces, Susie Orman. Okay, she tells a bit of her story. Cool. You know, I started to just look for people. They don't have to look like me. We don't have to have the same background. We don't have to know the same people come from none of those things. But what piece of this story feels like it's in alignment with what I'm being called to do? And how can I use that to encourage me to keep going? Mm. Right. And, And take the next best step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I find in finances that when people's when people are not in alignment with whatever this purpose is, doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they're doing it full time yet, but they at least have an awareness. It's very hard for them to manage their financial priorities. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: A lot of times the reason that people are mismanaging finances are because Mm -hmm. they're trying to fill a void. And that void Mm -hmm. comes from a lack of fulfillment. And that lack of fulfillment is because you are not operating in. Your gifts, your talents, your purpose—those things that make you come alive. I don't need clothes and shoes to come alive. Uh-uh. I like those things. I have nice things. I live in a nice home. I drive in a. I drive a nice car. Got it? Like you know, I'm not saying that those things don't matter. You shouldn't have it, but those are not the things that drive me. Those yeah. are not the things that fulfill me. So I don't spend my days surfing. For the next car That's going to fill the void I don't spend my days Like Looking for the bigger house And the bigger house And the You know You know what I mean Like Oh the next vacation The next vacation It's I enjoy taking time off I enjoy taking vacations But I'm not looking for Those external things To fill a void Because my purpose Keeps me filled up Mm. So So now the money That I do bring in I can maintain I can invest well. And that takes us to the, the money pillar. Finally, we're there. <laughs> Finally, the money lady is like, we can get some money. <laughs>
1: it's the last the, one.
0: <laughs> it's the last one. I think if you look at this like a pyramid, right? I think the way that I've laid out the pillars, the, the fit pillars on the bottom, money pillars at the top. Most of us jump for the money pillar and wonder why it keeps crumbling. There's no foundation under it. And so Mm. the very information, the wisdom, the knowledge that has been passed on from big mamas and and granddads from generation to generation, the the foundational things are the same. We can't receive it because our mind is cluttered with all the other things that we need to get in place. It's Mm. not that it's like rocket science and so mind blowing. Although some of these new things are definitely like interesting. I know we're all like NFTs, crypto, let me focus, right? <laughs> but but the foundational things have been the same for decades and decades and decades. It, and if you just did those things, most people would be better off, honestly, with their finances. But why are you not following the advice that you've already heard? Because your mind is cluttered. It's not that you didn't hear it, you can't receive it yet because mm. maybe your aches and pains are talking over it, maybe your childhood trauma is blocking it. You know, maybe those negative relationships and the things you need to let go of, maybe the clutter in your space is keeping you from actually following through with the stuff that you said you were going to do this year. I'm going to budget. You can't mm. find the calculator. <laughs> like, you know, you <laughs> can't find anything. All of these things wow. contribute to the blocks that we experience with our finances and what i do is bring this to people's awareness so that they can start to deal with some of those things yes you have financial goals keep the financial goals but i guarantee you that if you start to work on these other five pillars you will start to see an uptick in your finances without much effort from you it's a natural byproduct it that truly is
1: that makes sense i love i love this all right so where where do we go and find you online? Where do you where do you like people following you? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. where?
0: Well, let me say this first. If you want the cheat sheet for the Six Pillars, come yes. on over to Patricewashington.com uh, forward slash six pillars and you can grab the cheat sheet and get a little recap of all of these. But in terms of social media, my favorite place to play is Instagram. Mm. Um, if you DM me or tag me, let me know that you heard me in this episode so I can always come back and thank success and Tristan. I love that. And just let us know what you took away from this episode. But I love uh Instagram and my handle there is seek wisdom pcw. It's seek wisdom pcw.
1: Seek wisdom pcw. All right, I just followed you. Patrice. Cool. You rocked this. This was this was super good. So thank this you for your so time. This was so good.
0: The time flew by. You were awesome to talk to, and I'm so grateful we we made it happen.
1: Well, let us do this again in the future. This was I took a lot a lot of notes. I mean, <laughs> here we go. So, oh
0: my gosh, I so, love it.
1: Um, i I got so many great quotes from you. It's just you you're so knowledgeable and wise by the way. So <laughs> very awesome. Thank you for being on the trees. We love you. So thank you.
0: I oh, love you guys too. Thanks first thing. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like
1: it.